1: get rolling here
2: one two three
1: way back in december 2020 we had an episode question what song has the best opening lines in music history remember that one clint oh i loved that one you talked about the amazing song from dawes a little bit of everything and your wife talked about the amazing musical hamilton point is we did it we did it (laughs) we might have to revisit that topic at some point actually but in today's episode we're coming full circle, and we're talking about the songs that end the best.
2: Welcome to the age-old question. I'm Rich Price. And I'm Clint Bierman. Each episode deals with another question in music fandom. The
1: kind of questions that Clint and I have been debating since we were in college. So today, with the help
2: of some smart people, we're gonna come up with the answer. Okay, Clint, what's today's question? Today's question is, what is the best closing line in music history?
1: That's the age-old question.
2: Clint, first of all, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. This is, uh, this is our first time seeing each other in 2024.
1: I know, you know, we had a lot of fun in 2023, but as you and I were texting back and forth, I think we're gonna have a lot of fun in 2024. I think this is our year. This is our year. This is our year. There's a lot going on, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. A lot of what have yous. This episode's suggestion came from our friend Emily Voorhees. Yay! She was listening to our most recent episode, Greatest Songs About Songs. And one of the songs we discussed was Sean Colvin's song, Polaroids, from her amazing Fat City album from 1992. The whole song, I think is a masterpiece of production, of groove, melody, structure, and of course, lyrics. The last lines in the song are incredibly evocative. Here they are. Emily texted what about best closing lines this is a great idea and I think I already know my pick but I'm excited for this discussion Clint why don't you start us off
2: all right so well first of all there's something beautiful about the concept of a surprise ending yes right like when you find out that Bruce Willis is actually dead right or, or Tyler Durden It's just a figment of his imagination, right? Right. Like that moment where you're like, no, right? Right. So a couple of mine revolve around that concept of like a closing line that you set up the entire song. And in a movie, you have 90 to 120 minutes to do that. In a song, you have three and a half minutes to set up a plot, a concept, and then twist it at the end, right? Yes. So my first one is very much that way. And it's a Led Zeppelin song called Fool in the Rain. Hmm. Now, Fool in the Rain is from the 1979 album In Through the Outdoors*, the last single released in the U.S. before they formally disbanded in 1980, and it reached number 21 on the Billboard Hot 100 on February 16th, 1980. So you know this song, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh song is about a guy supposed to meet a woman on a certain corner. And the woman doesn't show up. He thinks he's been stood up. Turns out he was standing on the wrong corner, and now he is the fool in the rain. So you get through the whole song, and the line, the last line is Where
0: are we? Going? I'm
2: Just a fool waiting on the wrong block. That's the last line. Uh-huh. So you get through the whole song. You think like he sets up these. Be- it's actually really nice lyrics about. Uh, it's very poetic and uh, about how, you know, he thinks he's in love and what happened. Why? What have I done? Why? You know, why is this not happening? And then at the very end of the song, the last line, he's like, oh, I'm on the wrong block. Whoops. <laughs> Which is hilarious, I think. Uh couple cool things about this song, Jimmy Page was watching the World Cup soccer tournament in 1978, and it was from Argentina, was the host country, and he heard a lot of samba rhythms while watching the games, and somehow creeped into this song. The song was never performed live, because the group didn't think it would come off well. The piano was certainly necessary for the song, but John Paul Jones played it, And the bass line was so necessary that they couldn't do both. Uh, There's also like a 12-string guitar line at one point in the song. And the guitar solo that has to be pulled off, there's just no way for them all to do it. So this is an example of a song that was recorded, became a hit song, and never got played live by the band. Hmm. That's my first one. Fool in the Rain, Led Zeppelin. I
1: love that. We've talked a few times about the great Joni Mitchell on the show. Her album Blue is one of the great albums of all time. It's her masterpiece and in fact in 2000 the New York Times included Blue on its list of 25 albums that represented turning points and pinnacles in 20th century music.
3: Just before our love got lost you said I am as constant as a northern star and I said Constantly in the darkness Where's that at? If you want me, I'll be in the
1: bar. It's good. Blue was released on June 22nd, 1971. It was recorded in the wake of her breakup with Graham Nash of Crosby, Stills & Nash and in the midst of a whirlwind romantic relationship with James Taylor. Part of what makes the album so hauntingly beautiful Is the rawness and vulnerability in the songs and in the performances?
3: You're in my blood like holy wine. It tastes so bitter and so sweet. Oh, I could drink a case of you, darling, and I would still be on my feet. Oh, I would still be on my feet.
1: In a 1979 interview, Joni would say on the Blue Album, there's hardly a dishonest note in the vocals. At that period in my life, I had no personal defenses. I felt like a cellophane rapper on a pack of cigarettes. I felt like I had absolutely no secrets from the world and I couldn't pretend in my life to be strong or to be happy. But the advantage of it in the music was that there were no defenses there either. The last lyrics I want to talk about are actually the last lyrics of the entire album from a song called The Last Time I Saw Richard. But before I go to the last lines, let me share the opening lines because the two thoughts bookend the song. The song begins, The last time I saw Richard was Detroit in 68 and he told me all romantics meet the same fate someday cynical and drunk and boring someone in some dark cafe.
3: The last time I saw Richard was Detroit in 68. And he told me, all romantics meet the same fate someday. Cynical and drunk and boring someone in some dark cafe. Huh.
1: So he set up this idea that all romantics meet the same fate. They'll, the, they're, they end, Never up, works out. they end up just cynical and drunk yeah. in a dark cafe. So for the final line, she comes back to Richard's warning. She, Joni, the romantic, has met the same fate. And just like the album itself, the song acknowledges her dark and overwhelming sadness, but leaves us believing this sadness was only ever a phase. She says,
3: I'm gonna blow this damn candle out. I don't want nobody coming over to my table. I've going to talk to anybody about. All oh, good dreamers pass this way someday. Hiding behind bottles in dark cafes, dark cafes Only a dark cocoon before I get my gorgeous wings and fly away Only a face these dark cafe
1: days. Only a dark cocoon before I get my wings and fly away only a phase these dark cafe days in other words there's hope this there's is hope. the sadness that inspired the entire album it was just a phase she's gonna emerge from this dark cocoon with
2: gorgeous wings and fly away beautiful Joni Mitchell's blue is Queen of California right doesn't John Mayer
1: uh, he wants to find a color of his own yeah that's a great lyric too. it's a great lyric.
2: Joanie won't
3: "Blue" in a house by the sea. I gotta believe there's another color waiting on me to set me for free.
2: Nice. I I have I never listened to "Blue." I mean, I've listened to it. I've never, I never, never dug went, deep in it. Went deep, never yeah. Went deep.
1: You know, Stephen Stills plays on it. Obviously, James Taylor plays on it. Does Graham Nash play on it? I don't think he Doubtful. does. <laughs> I wonder what the rhythms are. Russ Kunkel on drums. Okay, Russ. Pla- He plays on three tracks Carrie, California, and A Case of You. Mm-hmm. Steven Stills plays bass and guitar. Mm-hmm. James Taylor plays guitar on four tracks. No Graham Nash. Cool.
2: Good record.
3: All the California, California. I'm going to see the folks I dig. I'll even kiss a sunset peak. California, i coming home. All
2: right. What do you got? I got another one. Here's another twist at the end. Hmm. This is from a rapper. This is an American rapper from Detroit, Michigan. It's good. We don't, we don't get into rap as much as we should. No, I agree. And uh, this is, you know, this is Eminem. And the song is Stan. Last line of the song. Come to think about it, his name was... It was you.
0: Sick. Some dude was drunk and drove his car over a bridge And had his girlfriend in the trunk And she was pregnant with his kid And in the car they found a safe, But they didn't say who it was too. Come to think about it, his name was
2: damn damn so this song stan uses a sample from dido the Mm. song's thank you it was released in 2000 as the third single from eminem's third album the marshall mathers lp and it peaked at number 51 on the billboard hot 100 but outside the us it was like a number one hit in 12 countries Mm. so it was a massive massive hit
0: Dear Slim, I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. I left my cell, my pager, and my home phone at the bottom. I sent two letters back in autumn. You must not have got them. There probably was a problem at the post office or something. Sometimes I scribble the addresses too sloppy when I jot 'em. So there's
2: a couple really cool things about this song. So First of all, the the Stan, the name comes from stalker and fan. Stan. Oh. What? And it was actually term has been included in the oxford english dictionary as a result of this song no kidding which is amazing and you know how i like to do rich this is a portmanteau here's a new word it's like mondegreen a portmanteau is a word formed usually intentionally by combining the sounds and meanings of two or more words portmanteau portmanteau never heard of it no neither did i but that's what this is stan can we
1: think of any other examples of portmanteaus? man let's, let's think about it Oh, interesting It's T-E-A-U French Frenchy. Oh, one of the words This is a word that we've heard many times Biopic Biographical picture Anklet
2: Ankle bracelet Anklet Yep Oh, okay Now we're talking
1: <laughs> Athleisure Athletic plus leisure Brexit Brexit, <laughs> That's right That's a good one Britain Exit Yep yeah. Bromance
2: Bromance is good
1: Brunch brunch maybe is the most famous, oh right? Oh my
2: gosh, of course.
1: Carjack, so a car and a hijack. Okay. Chillax.
2: That's an actual word in the English language. Chilling
1: and relaxing. Yeah, of course it is. We got a new word. Oh, e- email. Electronic mail. Froyo.
4: <laughs> That's a good one. I do,
1: you know, I don't know if we're of a certain age when froyo was a big thing. It was... Huge. But when we were in college, there, you know, yeah. f- the Froyo machine, right? <laughs> a frenemy, of course. Yes. Fortnite.
2: Oh, wait. Fortnite is 14 night, two yeah. weeks.
1: Fortnite. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Guestimate. Oh, yeah. Oh, this one I love. Hangry. Oh, that's... I use hangry <laughs> like several times a week.
2: My wife gets hangry. <laughs> podcast. What's podcast?
1: iPod plus broadcast. Whoa interesting yeah spork spork <laughs> i prefer the spoon
2: <laughs> anyway God. all right so that's a so portmanteau. Stan is a portmanteau um and the song is about you know a guy named stan who is this super super fan of eminem stalker you know bases his whole life around
0: him anyways i hope you get this man hit me back just to chat really yours, your biggest fan this is stan
2: And eventually, you know, kills his girlfriend, drinks a fifth of vodka, drives off a bridge, and at the end of the song, you know, Eminem, the last verse, is he's writing a letter back to Stan because he's gotten all these letters but hadn't had time because he's famous and he's doing stuff he hadn't had time to write back to him and so in this last well, verse he's writing back being like you know maybe may, you know I think you should do some need some counseling you know you're taking this too far he's like it reminds me of this guy I just heard who just fell off a bridge oh. Oh, and I do want you a
0: fan I just don't want you to do some crazy I seen this one on the news a couple weeks ago some dude was drunk and drove his car over a bridge and had his girlfriend in the trunk. And she was pregnant with his kid. And in the car, they found a safe, But it didn't say who it was too. Come to think about it. His name was... It was you. Damn.
2: There's a, just a great kicker at the end. It's Very cinematic. Yeah. And the actual first video on MTV was eight minutes long. Dido was the girlfriend bound and gagged in the back of the... In the trunk of the car. Interesting. So check this out. The producer of the song is Mark quote the 45 King. So Mark King, they call him the 45. He found the Dido song before anybody, like before it was a hit, and incorporated the sample into the track, played it for Eminem, who gave it, you know, just loved it. They produced the song without her permission. And then sent her the song after the fact. So she's just living her life. And she's like, at this point, she's like third stage at Lilith Fair. You know, she's like Just starting to make a name for herself, but certainly hadn't become a household name by any means. And then she gets this track from Eminem in the mail, like, blown away. Obviously, she's like, heck yeah, use this song. This is incredible. Makes her career, to be honest. I mean, that's what put her on the map. She then followed it up with White Flag, which was another hit of hers. But here's the kicker to this whole story. Dido named her son Stanley. Oh, no. (laughs) Dido loves Eminem he made her career and says he was nothing like his rapper personality Persona. like
1: yeah i believe that you know he he became great friends with Elton John yep. and
2: and to be honest there's no one better in my opinion than Eminem i as it, a rapper as I, a rapper and and a writer i mean he was just yeah. an absolute genius when it came to internal, internal rhymes. rhymes yeah, yeah. He, he, in fact he was like i'm sure there's somebody before him that i don't know about that he was Learning from, obviously. But he's the guy.
0: It was predicted by a medic. I grew up being addicted diabetic, living on liquid trigonometic, pathetic. And I don't think his headache's ever venison. Panakin. I think I might have just too much innocent.
2: There's a guy online, Harry Mack. Have you ever oh, seen this guy? Oh my god, this I, guy is incredible insane. He's incredible. He's absolutely a muse a magician. He is a magician. It's in an, it, yeah, anyway.
1: All right, listeners, if you haven't checked out Harry Mack, do yourself a favor and Google him. Yeah. All right, that's my second one, Stan by Eminem. Good one. All right, at the risk of angering some of our listeners, and I'm really thinking about Jeff Simons here, I want to mention the Eagles. (laughs) Now, one of our very first episodes was, why do people hate the Eagles? (laughs) And it remains one of our most popular. And whether you like them or not, and spoiler alert, you and I like them. Mm Mm-hmm. You have to acknowledge that they did what they did really well. Mm -hmm. You don't have to like what they did, but what they did, they did it really well.
2: And sold millions of albums. And sold millions. they did it well.
1: Yes. One of their great songs, probably their greatest song, is a tune you and I both celebrate, Hotel California. The song is widely considered a song about drug addiction. Hotel California. The hotel is a proxy for the fast life. Living it up at the Hotel California mirrors on the ceiling, pink champagne on ice, where everyone is just prisoners of their own device. It's in that context that the closing line of the song hits really hard. Mm-hmm. You can check out any time you like,
2: but you can never leave. That's, I don't think there's a better line ever written as a closing line. You can check out any you like, but you can never leave. I, that I don't think we can compete with that. It's unbelievable. That's a good one. It's a good one. Man. How can you hate on this song? I just, yeah, it was overplayed, but it was overplayed because it's unbelievable. Because it's so great. Start to finish. The lyrics are great. The solo's great. You've said before on the
1: show a couple times that that solo was like a music school for
2: you. It was. Every single lick I've copped. Every single one. Yeah. 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 What do you now, got listen. Next? We don't talk about the grift very much on this show. Oh. But there is a grift song.
1: And for our listeners, the grift is your band. It's yep. been been your band for the last twenty five 25 years. years.
2: Yeah, we're we're about to celebrate our twenty fifth anniversary by ten of our members going to Las Vegas. Uh, members uh, that have come, and, come gone and gone in the band yep. over the years. And uh, we're going to go live it up for one. We've been planning this for ten years now. Wow. And saving money from every single gig. To pay for this trip for all of us. Incredible. So we've rented the Rain Man suite in Aria, I think it's called. You know, right on the strip. And you know, I think it has a pool table in the in the That is incredible. So gonna go live it up.
1: How long are you guys all gonna be there?
2: Well, I'm gonna be there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I'm seeing you too. Oh I my got my can't tickets. Can't wait to, to talk to you about tickets. you too. All right, so this song is called Mary Jane. Now it's M-A-R-R-Y. Mary Jane. Should I Marry Jane? Or should I marry Wanda? Should
0: I marry Jane? Or should I marry Wanda? Whatever
4: stops the flame will burn you just the same. Grass
0: is always greener till your grass is gone. Down. So should I marry Jane? Oh, or should I marry
2: Wanda? That's the gist of the song. Yeah. Now the last line is I'm just very proud of this line and it's it, it, it's it's what we I was talking about at the beginning where there's a twist at the end that you might not see coming. Right. We're
0: greener, now my grass is never gonna They never made me bed. Whoa. The chain is into one is into one Into
1: one. So now it's <laughs> now it's, now a, now it's, a, now it's a, a thruple. It's a thruple.
2: People don't see it coming, and it gets a laugh every single time. When I'm singing it, I can look out in the audience and see the people that finally get it, and it's a great, satisfying moment.
1: And that song is a double entendre in a number of ways. That's good. How about this one? We don't often talk about the great Frank Sinatra.
2: Oh, Frank.
1: But his signature song my way ends with this last line that always gives me goosebumps the record shows
3: I took the blows and did it my way
1: the record shows I took all the blows and did it my way So here's a bit about that song it was popularized by frank but the song was actually written in french and performed by claude francois topping the charts in france for a week in february
3: 1968
1: around that time paul anka was on holiday in the south of france and he happened to hear the song. He loved it so much that he flew to Paris to negotiate the rights to the song. He acquired what's called adaptation, recording, and publishing rights for the fee of $1, subject to the original composer keeping his shares of the writer's publishing, whatever it was adapted into. When Anka got back to New York, he wrote the new lyrics to the song, specifically as a song for Frank Sinatra. Yeah. He explained, at one o'clock in the morning, I sat down at an old IBM electric typewriter and said, if Frank were writing this, what would he say?
3: And uh, now the end is near. And so I face the final curtain. He, he
1: said... I, I use words that I would never use. I ate it up and spit it out, lyrics like that. But that's the way he talked. I used to be around steam rooms with the Rat Pack guys. They talk like mob guys, even though they would have been scared of their own shadows.
3: I traveled each and every highway And more, much more than this I did it
1: my way Anka finished the song at 5 in the morning I called Frank up in Nevada He was at Caesar's Palace And said, I've got something really special for you But when my record company caught wind of it They were really pissed that I didn't keep it for myself I said, hey, I can write it But I'm not the guy to sing it It was for Frank and for no one else but it also raises another interesting point about like when a songwriter writes a song that he or she knows is going to be way better by someone else.
2: Oh, that's a whole episode. Right? That's a whole episode. Like he
1: just knew he was channeling Frank's charisma, Frank's whole thing. dialect, dialect. Yeah. dialect. Yeah. And it didn't f- feel like authentic to him as a person, it so effectively
2: captured what Frank Sinatra was all about. It's so interesting. I had no idea about the, the South of France guy. Yeah. I thought Paul Anka just wrote the song. Yeah. But he wrote all the lyrics, obviously. So it's just the melody and the and the chord progression yes. that he yes. partnered on. Yeah. I got one more. You, tell me. We haven't talked about this band very much on this show. The Kinks. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Ray oh, Davies. Oh, I think I know where you're Ray going. Ray Davies and his brother Dave. Yeah. First of all, Dave Davies, come on. This song is Lola. Mm -hmm. And it was written by Ray Davies for their 1970 album, Lola Versus Power Man and the Money Go-Around Part 1. It was a concept album, and it's a satirical appraisal of the music industry, including song publishers, unions, press accountants, business managers, life on the road, etc. So the whole thing is a a, a, a one concept album. The song details a romantic encounter between a young man and a possible cross-dresser or trans woman. And it was all written because one night he was watching his manager in a bar, and they were dancing, and he started dancing with this lady, and everyone knew except him. And so they just kept dancing, and by the end of the night, everyone could see the stubble on his face except the manager. And so it just got him, you know, it just became a story song, and, uh, and it became one of the great last lines of all time, which is, I know what I am, and I'm glad I'm a man, and so is Lola.
1: You know, it's interesting, hearing you talk about it makes me think of just the year before. Paul writes, sweet Loretta Martin thought she was a woman, but she she was was another man.
2: man. Yeah. Huh. That was the year before. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Could have been crept in. One of the great, great weird Al Yankovic parodies, Yoda. Right. Based on Star Wars movies. For his 1985 album, Dare to Be Stupid. Let's hear a little clip of that too.
0: I met them in a swamp down in Dagobah where it bubbles all the time like a giant carbonated soda. soda, soda. I saw the little wrench sitting there on a log. Him his name and in a raspy voice he said Yoda Y O D A Yoda Yo 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 Yoda.
2: So one more interesting fact about this song, yeah, you know the acoustic beginning of this song, it's actually the first time Ray Davies used this National Steel Resonator guitar on a song. He wanted an intro similar to what. They used on Dedicated Follower of Fashion, which is one of their songs, which was two offender Acoustics and Dave's Electric Guitar. So he went down to Shaftesbury Avenue, bought a Martin guitar, and then this National guitar got for 80 pounds. Then, check this out, double-tracked the Martin, then double-tracked the National. And that's what that sound is at the beginning. Four acoustic guitars. Two Martin, two resonator guitars. I just thought that was pretty cool. Double tracking two different acoustic guitars is an interesting concept. So I might have to steal that coming up here. That's interesting.
1: And Shastbury Avenue, obviously it's the theater district in London. It's mentioned in another one of my favorite songs, Wild West End by Dire Straits. Mm-hmm. He, he talks about stepping out of Shastbury Avenue to buy a pickup for a steel guitar.
0: I get a- my steel
3: guitar, I
2: saw you walking out. Now. You.
1: and so bizarre. must be the same music guitar. store. Oh,
2: exactly, that guy—he's got the monopoly on steel yeah. guitars in London. That's good.
1: Here's another songwriter we've mentioned a few times: Richard Thompson, the great British songwriter. Originally in Fairport Convention before going solo, there's a song of his that I've always loved and I used to play it when I first started playing shows. It's called 1952 Vincent Black Lightning from his 1991 album Rumor and Sigh. It tells the story of James, a thief, and his girl Red Molly, and James's other love, his 1952 Vincent Black Lightning, a real motorcycle aficionado's classic. There were only 30 made at the time. He sings, Says James, in my opinion... There's Nothing in This World Beats a 52 Vincent and a Red-Headed Girl.
3: Says James, in my opinion, there's nothing in this world Beats a 52 Vincent and a Red-Headed Girl Now nothings and Indians and grievances won't do
1: Ah, they don't have a soul like a Vincent 52 The closing lines of the story, James lays dying. And here, here's how the story ends.
3: Oh, you reach for a hand, and he slipped her the keys. Said, I've got no further use for these. I see angels and areas in leather and chrome. Swooping down from a hill to carry me home. And he gave her one last kiss and died. And he gave her his Vincent to ride. And he gave her his Vincent.
1: I love that. Yes. That's awesome. I've never heard that one. Should we go to the comments? Yes. Yes. Let's
2: go to the comments.
1: All right. In response to our episode on songs about songs, Dave Small writes on Instagram, tribute to Nacious D.
0: Oh, that's a great
1: one. How? Did we oh my God. forget that one? Kyle? That
2: is the best one ever.
1: Boneheads. This yes, boneheads. All right, let's play boneheads. Oh. Yeah. So if you oh don't, if you God. don't know the song, it's about. <laughs> so it's by Tenacious D, Jack Black and and Kyle, Kyle Gass. They they can't they they write the greatest song in the history of songs, but Ooh. when they wake up the next day, they can't remember it, and so. This song is not that song. It's a tribute <laughs> to, that. to that song.
2: And the peculiar thing is this, my friends, the song we sang on that fateful night, it
0: didn't actually sound anything like this song.
3: This is just a tribute. you got to believe me. And I wish you were
2: be. Just a matter of opinion. <laughs> oh, my God. That is the greatest song about songs ever.
1: Maurice writes on Instagram from Australia. Hey gents, great episode. I'd like to add a couple of songs from a band of my childhood, Skyhooks. They were absolutely huge in Australia, and if there were any justice, should have been big everywhere. Their main songwriter wrote a single called Million Dollar Riff about how every kid with a guitar is trying to come up with the next big selling riff based song. It's catchy as hell and makes clever references to great riffs of the past. Let's listen.
2: That is cool. That's a great one. Okay. I was at a show the other day, and one of our uh, age-old question fans came up to me and was utterly disappointed utterly crushed by our lack of reference to a song that he loves and for his i don't know 60th birthday he hired the griff to play and made us learn this song and it's not an easy song and it's one of these songs you like you're going to spend like a couple hours trying to figure out it's odd time signatures it's weird
1: the thing that people don't realize when they ask you to learn a song like actually, this request, just this one song, is going to take hours. hours. Yeah,
2: so I was hesitant, but we did it because yeah. we love Steve. Yeah, and so the song is called "Guitar and Pen" by The Who, and it's entirely about writing writing songs. a song. <laughs> when you sing to your mind. Very well said, Steve. And we appreciate you listening. And I'm sorry I didn't mention it, but here is the mention: of Guitar Pen, love it. Uh, how about just a quick rapid fire before we go to our picks? I got one. Okay. Because on the first opening line, one yeah, at the, in December 2020, yeah. I mentioned a Dawes song. Yes, Dawes also has a great closing line, and may all your favorite bands stay together. Yeah, that sentiment is just it says so much. It's like pure. Pure respect, pure love oh. for the person you're talking to. Like what's worse than your favorite brand breaking up? Yeah. Like this is and may all your favorite bands stay together. I love that. Uh, it's great. And may all your favorite
3: bands stay together.
1: That's the line that made me fall in love with that band. Yeah. I'm gonna rattle off four quick ones. Okay. Comfortably numb by Pink Floyd. The child has grown. The Dream Is Gone, I Have Become Comfortably Numb. Played it last night. You and I played this when we played a show in Montana in October, and I got chills when we played that song. The child has
3: grown, the dream is gone. I have become comfortably numb.
2: Boy, is it fun to solo over. The end. Oh. It's just like a bed of fine lettuce to just sh- shred over.
1: Rhapsody, Bohemian Rhapsody. Any way the wind blows, and then there's that gong, and I'm I'm, inc- I'm including the gong as a lyric here yeah. almost. But anyway, the wind blows. There's also something like something we haven't really mentioned in this episode. The musicality of a lyric sometimes Mm. is really satisfying.
2: Yeah. A la this. A la this. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Thunder Road by Springsteen. Oh, come on. It's a town full of losers. I'm pulling out of here to win.
3: It's a town full of losers.
2: win is what makes it.
1: And then I got to mention Bob Dylan, Positively 4th Street. I wish that for just one time you could stand inside my shoes and just for that one moment I could be you. Yes, I wish that for just one time you could stand inside my shoes. You'd know what a drag it is to see you.
3: I wish that for just one time you could stand inside my shoes. And just for that one moment I could be you Yes, I wish that for just one time You could stand inside my shoes You'd know what a drag it is
1: to see you That is... Ice cold. (laughs) Well said. All right. Are you ready to share your pick? I think I'm ready. I'm ready to share my pick, and it, it can only be this song, in my opinion. It's the final lyric on the last song of the last album that the Beatles recorded. And I say recorded because Abbey Road was recorded last. But for a variety of reasons, Let It Be was released later. But it was the last lyric on the last song on the last Beatles album recorded. The song is appropriately titled The End. Again, the finale of the epic and immaculate medley. The final lyric, the parting shot of the Beatles' extraordinary run. And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make.
3: And in the end is
1: equal to the love you make. Don't believe me? Let's hear from George Harrison, an interview later in his life.
0: I suppose it's what Paul McCartney said on Abbey Road, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. That's it, really. It's all love. How much you can get, from each other and that's determined by how much you're giving to each other. And then it spreads to those around us, good and bad. But it all starts within ourselves.
1: Like that's really the secret to life, you know. And remember Clint, the great skit on SNL where Chris Farley is interviewing Paul McCartney? And he could barely contain his fanboy excitement. Yeah, yeah. And he, he's like he's like, you remember you <laughs> me- remember that remember that time you said when you were with the Beatles and, and you said Yeah. And then he's like is that true? <laughs> and Paul yes, says, "Yes, Chris. <laughs> yes, I believe that that's that's true."
3: Um, remember when uh, you were in the the Beatles and uh, you did that um, album Abbey Road, and uh, at the very end of the song. Uh, it song so goes, uh, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. You, you remember that? You yes. Take, is is it that true? <laughs>
1: The day he died, John Lennon said about this line that's a very cosmic philosophical line, which again proves that if he wants to, he can think. (laughs) A backhanded compliment, if ever there was. Dig. But I'm saying the end from Abbey Road, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make.
2: And with the music, it becomes, it comes out of this. Cacophony, right? right that solos and then. Shoop.
3: And in the end, the love you
4: take.
2: Little piano. Oh, it's, it is perfect. I think, you know what, Rich? I was not mine until this very moment. Oh, uh, I, I was. Convinced you?
4: you convinced me in the
2: last second. That's my answer. It doesn't get any better than that. That's incredible. I'm just
1: curious, what was it going to be?
2: It was going to be Hotel California. Oh. Because also quite good. It also quite good. Not as good as the end. Not as good as the end. I don't think there is anything better than the end.
1: Well, Clint, I think we did it.
2: I think we did it. And there's going to be a million that we didn't get.
1: And, and we love to hear it. Yes, please let us know what we missed. Absolutely. Anything before we go, anything you want to share, Uh, anything to get off your chest?
2: I just would love people to share this podcast with their friends in the new coming year. Yeah. And uh, let's grow this thing and keep asking some awesome questions.
1: Here's what we'd like you to do. When this episode ends in about 30 seconds, look down and share it with one person you think might enjoy it. That would really
2: go a long way for us. It really would. And we would love you for it.
1: We are, and we don't say it enough, we are proudly a part of Pantheon Podcasts. Thank you to them for supporting our podcast. Thank you to all of you for listening. We hope you had fun, as much fun as we did. And we hope you'll join us next time when we answer another age old question. Follow us on Instagram at the age old question, Facebook the age-old question we hope this conversation has sparked some ideas and thoughts of your own let us know in the comments but let's be
2: kind people yeah no hating no hating also if you're digging the podcast please check out our patreon page at www.patreon.com slash the age-old question and consider becoming a part of our age-old question family With your support, we'll be able to answer many more age-old questions. Thanks.
4: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football